there's a, a short story that I'd love to, love to share with you all. There's a man named Wayne Adams. He began to dream. He began to have these visions. And I want to make sure that even before I tell you about Wayne, that I thank our team, Pastor Chris, Lonzo, Scott, Rebecca, Gary, man, just can we, can we celebrate the Lord? Thank you, team. Thank you. This man, Wayne Adams, began uh, dreaming of making some high-quality art. He's a Christian. He's a believer, but he just, he, he had this vision that just seemed impossible to him. Wayne had no background or contacts in the art world. He had no money to finance this type of idea. It seemed to him to be insurmountable. Lawrence Richards in the teacher's commentary shares about Wayne. She says, but Wayne began to pray. Within weeks, believers with all types of skills began to find him and locate him. Wayne also prayed for funds and left his well-paying job to be able to concentrate on this dream that he just couldn't shake. He sold his car to get enough for his startup. And then when his house was burglarized, insurance payments helped meet his other needs. By December, he had 2,000 prints of his first painting, which was called Born Again. For a number of years, Christian bookstores carried uh, his art paintings, and many Christians' homes featured these lovely testimonies to some of the great realities of our faith. Looked at from a sensible point of view, everything Wayne did to launch his venture was foolishness. He left his job. He entered a field where he had no experience. He sold his car when he ran out of money, and he used insurance funds just to get by on bills rather than refurnish his house with new items. Everything Wayne did seemed foolish, unless God's kingdom has broken into your reality, unless God himself acts in your life and reveals to you an aspect of his will when that is your new reality, everything else can seem foolish, but actually be the beautiful will of God. Given the reality of God's rule, a person like Wayne who sets the Lord on the throne of his life is not foolish at all, but actually he's very wise. It's wise when you are willing to submit to God's calling. It's wise when you just can't shake that thing that seems to keep nagging at you. It's wise when you know that this dream is not of yourself because it makes no sense. This dream is going to bless others and glorify God. We've been in a sermon series called Kingdom Come. And our sermon series is Jesus sharing this amazing sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he does so in a way where he makes the world's ways that seem so wise, the world's ways that seem to make so much sense, the world's ways that seem to just allow us to do it in and of our, in and of our own strength. And he preaches this sermon that makes the world's ways actually seem foolish. 
foolish to depend on ourselves, foolish to take control. It's foolish to think that we can lead. But oh, how wise, even when it looks crazy to the world, to depend on the ways of the Lord. We have been going through this great sermon and and some of the ways in which Jesus has exposed the world came through in these many comparisons. He says, instead of being self-confident, I want you to be poor in spirit. Instead of being pleasure seeking and all about yourself, I actually want you to grieve and mourn. Instead of being proud and and showing how much power you have, I actually want you to be meek. And when you could exercise power, actually withhold that power for the sake of seeing others thrive. It says instead of trying to fill yourself and be satisfied, I want you to, instead of being, uh, being thirsting for things of this world, I want you to hunger for righteousness. You see this foolish ways of the world, wise ways of the Lord. Instead of trying to present yourself as oh so sophisticated and Instead, let's look at it as if we need to have pure hearts. Instead of coming at things aggressive and dominating and taking control, sometimes you need to actually be the one that's the peacemaker. Sounds crazy today. It sounded crazy then, too. The disciples are saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> have you not seen how, what happens to people who are meek? Have you not seen what this culture does if you don't stand up for yourself? Have you not seen what happens when you don't return an eye for an eye? And you're calling us to go into that and bring peace. Looks quite foolish, but it is actually quite wise. And lastly, when you have the opportunity to just coast to not rock the boat, to just kind of get by, make sure everybody likes you. Don't say anything that'll ruffle anyone's feathers. He says, no. Be willing to be persecuted for my righteousness. You see, this crazy sermon is actually helping renew the minds of all of them and all of us so that we can be able to say, kingdom come what does your kingdom look like your kingdom looks very different than that of the world and so today we're going to jump in continuing with our series on the sermon on the mount and we're going to be looking at chapter five and you can go ahead and start flipping there if you need a bible that's by your knee in the pew and if you're at home pull up that phone real quick and we're going we're gonna to go into chapter 5, and we're going to start with verse 13. But I want to help, help you understand some of the background by which we're going into verse 13. And some of the background comes with a person that I used to love to hate. I still love to hate him. Pastor's not supposed to be able to say hate, but his name is Michael Jordan. I'm originally from Cleveland, y'all. And my Cleveland Cavaliers was cold. We was, the, we was the baddest, except for when he hit the shot on my calves. You know what I'm saying? So I, I loved him because of his skill play, but I, I hated Michael Jordan because of he did that skill on my team. You know what I'm saying? But, but Jordan is actually gone down in history thus far for something far greater than his basketball play. 
he's made more money in endorsements and in being able to get money from sponsorships than he has in playing basketball. Over a billion dollars, it's said, that he's received through his connection with Nike and other affiliates because of his ability to influence, influence the culture. Nike signed him and they said, we're hoping to be able to sell, uh, I think it's $3 million in sales in the first four years after we signed Michael Jordan. In four years, they wanted to sell $3 million. They sold 126 in the first year. Influence. And so that influence, everyone saw it. Great, let's put them in burgers. Let's put them in pop. Let's put them in underwear. Let's put them in Gatorade. Because when he says something, people respond. And I was encouraged because I said, wow, wow, wow. It's, 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 I like when people are not pegged into a hole. You thought you were just going to keep him as an athlete, but actually he's a marketing mobile, mogul. Excuse me. But it's been interesting to see that take place now in a younger generation. There's a younger generation of influencers that now most many of us that are 35 and up have no idea, but your children know them. See, my children don't really know a, a ton of TV commercials because we don't watch a ton of just like TV. But they have people that they follow on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, not Facebook, that's too old, sorry. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We, yeah, you, you dated yourself, you said Facebook. Um, but now there are people who are pretty much like you and I, who through a niche, a, a certain area, because other people are impressed or encouraged by their lifestyle, they now are influencers. It says now that actually 70% of teens trust influencers more than a traditional ce celebrity. 86% of women will use social media for purchasing advice. 82% of people trust social networks to guide their purchasing decisions. Like it or not, we are influenced. And today, as we dive into God's word, as we settle on God's word, as we know we are being influenced by something, God wants us to say, and how are you influencing others? Not simply what are you taking in and receiving, but what are you giving out? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Pastor, you ain't got but four verses today, so we should be in and up out of here, right? We, I get you out in three minutes times 18. All right. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither 
do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? There's this place called the Dead Sea. It's a it's, it's actually a lake. It's not as big as an ocean when you think of a sea. But the Dead Sea has a, a, an interesting trait. It is filled with salt. It's actually called the Dead Sea because no living organism can live in it because there is so much salt in it. You go there, and I don't care if you uh, have never floated before in your life. In the Dead Sea, you can lay on the top and you will float. Guarantee it. But one of the interesting things about the Dead Sea is that the amount of salt in the water begins to rush up upon the shore. And when it's on the shore, the sun will begin to beam down on the salt. And when the sun hits the salt, it loses its saltiness. Then the sun beaming on the salt and the waves crashing against it actually break the salt down and it becomes a fine sand that ends up being blown away. You see, if salt is not collected and used for its purpose, it ends up serving no purpose. It actually loses the very key ingredients by which it was created and becomes fine sand that's worthless. See, family, there is a use for salt, and God is saying to us, I have a desire, I have a use for you. I have a way in which I am expecting you to actually be influencing this culture. There is a world that has a view of how things are supposed to go, of what the normal is supposed to be, and I want you to shine. I want you to actually be what I've created you to be. Not simply sit to the wayside and lose your vitality. There's a place called uh, seasalt.com. <laughs> and they, uh, they said that there are 14,000 uses for salt. I was trying to add it up. I'm like, I got the six, y'all. I ain't 14,000, you know what I'm saying? But there, that, that, that there are so many uses for salt. We, as theologians and pastors, we wrestle with, well, which use was God talking about here? Look, I'm going to bring up just a few of them, but there are others that are applicable. The first is that salt was used in that day as a preservative. It kept and makes sure that things that you valued, your food, your meat, stayed fresh. Can you imagine if your salt lost its vitality and now everything you just bought from Aldi spoiled? All of your stuff. See, there, there, it, it, it has to serve its purpose. And so when we were praying through and thinking through and I'm reading through and it's like, yeah, 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 it's keeping things fresh. It's keeping us as people faithful. 
preserving, is, is connected to us being a people who are faithful, a people that continue to walk out this gospel, continue to stay connected to God, continue to hold tightly to who he is. Stay salty. Stay preserving the core tenets of what it means to be a believer. Stay close to who God is. Stay fresh in his word. But if preserving is one way in which you see salt used, the second one is a purifying agent. Oftentimes, people use salt as something that will purify and make things cleaner, make things uh, 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 fresher, brings health to a situation. I don't, I don't know how it works, and we probably could ask Josh or or Matt, or some of our other medical people, but I've seen where there's times where somebody sleep, and they not respond, and they bring a smelling salt over, and you, you see the person wake up, snap them up out of there. I don't know how it works, but, but, but salt purifies, and it, it, brings, it brings your attention, wakes you up. I, I, I love the example that we get in, in, in the second chapter of Acts. If you can keep your hand in Matthew chapter 5, but just slide over to Acts chapter 2. And this is where we have uh, the Holy Spirit descending upon his people. And I'm going to start in verse 5. Now, that was chapter 2, verse 5 in the book of Acts, New Testament. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem... Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and this, and this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Basically, a whole bunch of different places, everybody hearing it in their own language. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And listen to verse 12 and 13. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. Oh, them over there, all oh, that speaking in tongues and hearing their own language, and all, they just filled with new wine. You see, there's a, a lie that is now being embraced. There's a, an ungodly reality. God has just done something beautiful and holy, and they're writing it off to a sinful act. And so the people of God could just ignore it. Well, they, they think unhealthy things. It's all right. Oh, they, they think that we drunk God in his sovereign hand. He'll help them out. Oh, they're chalking up this powerful, miraculous move to wine. Eh, it'll all work out. No, how do they respond? Verse 14, Peter stands up as a salt. Peter brings forth purity to this conversation. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. 
Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And if you keep on scrolling down, you get to verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, he stays salty. He doesn't just let them stay in their lie, belief, in their uh, uh, discrediting of the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, oh, that's what you think? That's what you attribute this power to? Let me speak up. Let me bring truth. Let me wake you up to the beauty of who God is and give you the opportunity to be saved. See, what does our influence look like? You know whenever something has too much salt in it. Y'all, I am not a good cook. My wife, don't, don't be saying amen, boo. Don't be saying that. You and, uh, this ain't when you start shouting now. Okay, hold on. I'm not a good cook. And I can definitely say there was this one time Salt went in instead of sugar. Name, what, 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 what was it? Well, it, it didn't matter, right? Was it cookies? Was it cake? Was it cinnamon rolls? It didn't matter. It was salt in there instead of sugar. You already know. You already know. Your mouth right now is like, why? Because you, you know what, what, what salt can do. Salt can enhance flavor. It can make things just seasoned perfectly, right? It can, it can make the meal, it just needs a little dash of salt. You see, sometimes we need to be reminded of how God wants to use us. He wants to perfectly season us throughout this world. He wants the world to be able to experience his truth. And he's bringing you and you and you to be an expression within the culture so that the culture can hear his gospel. So that the culture can understand who he is. And I, and I love that we don't have to have arrived in order to be used by God, in order to be a salt unto the world. Look with me in, in Luke chapter 23. See another salty situation. My family at home, we, we took the, uh, I, I was blessed to be able to guide a, 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 a portion of our church body through uh, preaching and teaching time. And I used to try to have them like, you know, do different examples of of illustrations and always try to have them. Don't forget your theme. And uh, and I've been saying salty stuff this whole time. And I know some of them at home just laughing at me. Oh, man, salty situations. Yep. We got some salty situations. Here's one. Luke chapter 23. It's one where we see. A man who doesn't have a deep understanding of the Bible. He hasn't been walking with the Lord forever. Look, starting in verse 39 of this situation. He's on the cross. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged, uh, 
excuse me, one of the criminals who were hanged uh, railed, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Excuse me. There's three people up on the cross, two guys that are thieves and Jesus who is innocent. And we step in to one of the criminals yelling at Jesus. He says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This man is. Attacking Christianity. This is a questioning of, are you Lord? Because if you Lord, then you'll respond like this. If you Lord, then you'll save me and bring me down. If you Lord, hook us all up. Are you who you say you are? You can't be. And instead of simply being on the cross, Sitting there like, oh, man, my friend being stupid again. What does he do? He shares. He responds. He engages. He rebukes the guy who he just was in tandem with doing evil. So don't think you have to have like a a seminary degree or you got to have years of experience. If Christ grabs your heart, you can start being salty today. You can start talking about his love today. You can start telling and encouraging others in his ways today. Because his Holy Spirit will work in you and let you know right from wrong. Hold up, I know I've done wrong, but you don't recognize this is God? What's wrong with you? See, we can be an influence to the culture. But notice even in this verse, It never says that the guy comes around and is like, oh, my bad. I was tripping. Thanks for rebuking me, bro. Jesus, I'm sorry. Can I worship you? You see, we we don't. It doesn't say be salty as long as you get the responses that you want. Be salty as long as the people agree with you. Be salty and, and show that salt light that God has done something in you as long as they affirm and celebrate your. No. Some of us will be an influence in culture and never see it. Never see it. I'm standing here because a guy took a risk. In my college, there was a guy that went away. Uh, He wasn't even an athlete. I'm going to tell this story probably a hundred times because I'm here encouraging you because of his willingness. Name of Steve Wahomey. He goes away to this camp. He comes back. He's on fire for the Lord. And we're still all kind of living in our own ways. We're still partying. We're still kicking it. We're doing our thing. And he's like, but Lee, I've changed. Like, like, like this Bible, man, I think it's real. And I'm, and I'm trying to understand it. Can, can we just like read through it together? Can we like go through this thing together? And, 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 uh. And I was one foot in, one foot out. Like God had started working on my heart and doing some things separate. And he came at the perfect God-aligned time for me to be like, yeah, let's start reading the Bible together. But I still wanted 
the joy of the world. And I don't, I don't say it as if it is fulfilling joy, but y'all know you can do some worldly stuff and it feel good. And I like those feelings. And so I wanted that, but I also felt this call of God's word and my boy would be so subtle with it. Be like, yeah, you can go out, but you know that ain't what God wants. All right, man, I'll see you later. Be like, you know, man, yeah, dude, like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and go. What did we read the other night, though, in, in Matthew chapter 5? What did we read? All right, all right, man, I'll see you later. You know, he just dropped these little nuggets. Dropped these little nuggets. And those nuggets were actually more effective than if he had just, like, come at me like, what you doing, dog? Because that would have roughed me up, and I would have been like, oh, well, you coming at me like that? Well, I'm definitely going now. But he would just subtly plant my heart, God. And I say that because some of you are bold, and that's great. Go out here. Some of y'all love street witnessing. Go for it. That is awesome. And some of you might just write a card and mail it to a friend. Just as effective. Just as powerful. Because it's ultimately not us and our tactic, it is our obedience. God is the one who takes it and does what he will with it. But be obedient. Live out that purpose. Allow God to use you as salt to the world. Hey, you are being an influencer. Somebody is affected by your presence. Are they getting an aspect of Christ? That's what it means to be a salt. That's what it means to be a light. Verse 15 of Matthew chapter 5 says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. Hey, that's the easy one, right? Like, like sometimes you get a sermon and you're like, here's the nuances. Blah, blah, blah. Look, you done walked in darkness before and then the light come on. You're like, cool. I was looking for three other things in here. Now I can see. It's that simple. He's saying people are walking in darkness. Those that we love family that that we cherish and you get to be a light you get to be a light by how you live and you get to be a light by the words you say and consider it an opportunity I'll be honest when I first came to faith I considered it a weight Lord I gotta go talk to him why me can't you send her? But pray, ask the Lord to help you with that posture. It's real. Hey, we all not, that's not all of our gift or joy or sad. Like some of us go like babies, Lord, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to take this. Some of us go grudgingly. Go though. Hear me say as your pastor, but Go. My prayer is that every time you go, you will get stronger, and, and next time it'll be a big, bigger step. And before you know it, you're doing like this, and you don't know how you did it because it was, you took steps to grow in, in, in trusting and listening to his voice. It's a muscle you can work out. 
but work it out. Be salt. Because we got a world that we want to see transformed for his glory, and he's planning to do it through his church. Family, I am so, so grateful to serve here and celebrate with you. I am I'm encouraged by us being able to be salt, be an influence. I think of uh, family members, because my first mind, it's crazy how, how words have certain phrases that stick out to you. Like my children, when they think of influencer, it's like somebody on TikTok or something. When I think of the term influence, I think of actually somebody that's drunk and got pulled over and their license got taken. Sorry. I think of you being under the influence. That's the only time I heard influence when I was coming up. But isn't, isn't that a proper phrase? Because when you are under the influence of alcohol, it affects your behavior. It's not simply you mentally are drunk and you're just all in your mind. No, it affects your behavior and it affects how dangerous you are to others. What does it look like for God's people to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And it affects not simply our minds, but our behaviors, how we go out. And oh, this world. What's it look like when we are dangerous Christians submitting only to his will and his way? That's the type of person, that's the type of family, that's the type of body that will influence the world. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful that we get to be under your influence. It's cool to see the beauty of your gospel where there's weeks where we preach on being meek. And you just want us to pull back. You just want us to show restraint. But then there's weeks like this where you say, no, I need you out. This is not internal. This one is external. And I need you to reach a world that's lost. Free us up to do it. It can feel like a burden at times, Lord, and we know that's not your desire. Allow us, God to find delight in being obedient. It's in your holy name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. If you are a person that has listened to my words and you hear me talking and you're saying, okay, I get it, that I've, I've got to be able to kind of think about other people and see other people understand this Jesus, but you yourself have not accepted Jesus, then we want to pause. Because we don't want you to simply act out of behavior and go do stuff and be a nicer person. We don't even want you to go out and go evangelize and start telling other people about Jesus right away. We would like you, like the thief on the cross, to first acknowledge that he is God. First acknowledge who he is in your life. We know that God can use anyone. He could even, if you don't love Jesus, if you go share your faith, he can use you. But we'd prefer that actually you share out of what you know, out of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who says you were far from God. But because I love you, I will step in the gap for you and connect you back with your creator. 
But in order for that to take place, I give of myself. Jesus gives his life so you can be reconnected because the the, the wages of sin, the, the pain that God experienced in the separation of you from him, that pain can only be relieved through death. And instead of you dying, Jesus says, I'll die for you. But here's what I want. Everything. I want it all. I want your life. I want your thoughts. I want your money. I want your kids. I want you to be willing to say, Jesus, you can have it all. And when you do that, he steps into your heart, empowers you and lifts you and places the Holy Spirit there to walk with you day after day. We invite you into that. And if you would like to accept Jesus and have a relationship with him as your Lord and Savior, simply pray this prayer with me. Lord, I am a sinner. I have broken your heart. But I realize my need for you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can experience God. Allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in me so each day I can live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you messed up the words a little bit, but the heart was there, then we are grateful, grateful, grateful. We join you, we, as with, we join with the angels in celebrating uh, you being a part of the family of God. And if you are present, please come up after service as I would love to care for you. And if you are at home, please fill out that contact card in the chat as we would love to follow up with you. Whether you join MacAv or not, you're a part of a bigger body, and we just want to see you grow in Christ. Amen? Amen.